0: drive. Good evening, everybody. This is Harriet Westmore with the More Wine and Music podcast, the podcast where I discuss music over a glass of wine. Um, I want to welcome you guys on a Friday night, April. This is the last day of the month of April. I hope everybody is enjoying their evening. I wanted to um, try out a new um, platform, and I've been Playing around with it for the last hour, and I just got frustrated, so I said, "Forget it." So I'm, I'm going back to what I know right now until I get the other platform um, together. So, um, I want to uh, remind everybody to um, hit that like and share button. Tell everybody um, about the podcast of more wine and music, podcasts. Um, It is a great podcast where we discuss the history of American music and this season I am discussing the genre of the blues. Okay. Um, Also, I'm going to be creating t-shirts if anybody's interested in getting a t-shirt for the More Wine and Music podcast. I will be having that created and also available to you on my uh, platform on the uh, more uh, shopping more online mall um, website, which is I'll put that up here on the screen here. So it's the actual more shopping dot That's where I'll be having my um, new um, more wine and music podcast T-shirt. Um, anybody who has any comments or want to join in um please post your comments on the screen and um hopefully you know uh, we'll have a chat while i'm discussing the history of the blues all right um before i get in to today's episode i'm going to share what i'm drinking tonight tonight i'm drinking um what is called the cape route it's a red um it's so a red uh, wine, semi, it's sweet, semi-sweet, not too sweet, but semi-sweet. So that's what I'm drinking tonight. That'll be the, it's called Cape Route. So, and I got that from uh, wineinc.com. So if anybody wants or interested in um, checking them out, it's w-in-e. Inc, All right, without further ado, let's start in with today's episode, Ep- episode number seven of the blues genre, history of the early uh, blues, which is going to be about Ida Cox. Ida Cox was known as the uncrowned queen of the blues. She was probably one of the most underrated female blues artists in the blues genre at her, at, around her time because her style and in, in her singing was considered um, to be like a class classic. It wasn't um, that down home rough and gruff type sound. It was more of a classy style. But she did, but she was in competition with um, artists such as Ma Rainey, who I, um, if you go back and I think in episode number five, I had, I had a uh, um, show, my episode was about Ma Rainey. So she was in, um, pretty much in competition. She was up there with Ma Rainey, Bessie Smith, Mamie Smith, among others. But, you know, let's take a look at her. she was prior to her fame. Ida Cox was born Ida Prather on February 25th. It was either 1888, 1884, or 1896, depending on what source you want to use. Once again, is go back to the inconsistencies of these senses and how you know, these census takers back at the back in the day did not keep accurate records, particularly for black um, black folks. They didn't, you know, they didn't keep much uh, accurate records. So, I mean, you know, it depends on what source you you take the information from. So, she was born on either of those on either three of those years. Um, But she was born on February 25th, and she was born um, in Toccoa, Georgia, and she was born to the parents of Lamax and Susie Knight um, Prather. She spent most of her childhood in Cedartown, Georgia, which is part of Polk County, um, as most Blacks of that time. Um, the economic was very hard, and had and there was little opportunities for um, growth and advancement. So the only um, source of uh, income for most of black in um, the South during that time was a sharecropper. So the family lived and worked on the Riverside plantation. Um, which was the which was the um, residence of the white um, landowners who were um, the prey their family, which was their namesake. So, one might deduce that perhaps um, Ida's family may have you know ancestry may have been enslaved on that plantation. And which is why their last names are Prather okay Um, as a child and um, sang in the choir and she belonged to the African Methodist Church in that area and it was you know there that she developed her love of music and her voice and which is you know usually common for African American um, You know, you get your music and you get your um, love of singing when you start off in the church. And Ida was no um, different from that. Um, by the time she was 14 years old, she left home and began singing and traveling with minstrel shows. Once again, these minstrel shows became um, very popular in a lot of black, early black artists, um, blues artists or singers period, Um, that's how they became uh, famous. They start off um, being a part of these minstrel shows. And um, she joined um, one of the particular minstrel shows that um, Ida was a part of was the White and Clark's Black and Tan Minstrel Shows. And she played this character was called um, Topsy. And this character Topsy was the stereotypical um, girl of. I mean, you know, they, they very stereotype um, blacks in in the early twentieth um, century. Um, she put on blackface and just she was this young, sassy, um, sharp-witted, tongue girl who, you know, was uh, skipping around and. You know that that was their stereotype of of black uh, young girls at that time, and she played that role. She played that role. So um, she also traveled um, with the rabbit foot uh, minstrel shows. And if you recall, if you am back in episode five when I was talking about Ma Rainey. Ma Rainey traveled with that um, same type of show, the Rabbit Foots Minstrel Show, or they called it the Foots. But uh, so Ida um, also briefly traveled in that same with that same company, and that's basically how she became to know Ma Rainey. And Ma Rainey was considered um, Ida Cox's idol, her as well as Mamie's. um, I'm sorry, Bessie Smith. Were Ida Cox's idol, and um, you know, because they both ran around in the same um, circles. Um, Ida was a part of her um, character as Topsy, she was a comedian. And doing these shows, I mean, she was able to hone in her stage presence and her um, experience as an actress. You now she played the role as the comedian making me, you know everybody laugh with the stereotypical type of being a what you call quote unquote pickaninny and that's that's basically what they considered her as a pickaninny so and she you know i have to you know i have to give these artists these early blues black artists you know i got to give them their credit because I'm I guess I'm looking at things from a current perspective but they had to endure a lot in order to for them to become um famous or become you know in order for them to become you know heard and and to showcase their talent they had to you know play that stereotypical part In order to, you know, and they set that role, I guess, Um, you know, you look at it in hindsight, you know, that that would that would be a hard thing to do. It would be a hard thing to do, but they did it. So, I mean, I, I, you know, when I read these um, biographies about a lot of these artists, I mean, I I have to give them their credit because it's again, it's something that. you know, I I, I don't I'd, I could never do that, you know, but then again, I'm looking at it from today's perspective. Back then, they really didn't have a choice. Um, they weren't given the same opportunities as white performers. So, you know, they had to do what they had to do. And if it was to make fun of themselves and and be a part of shows that um, particularly made fun of them, then. They did it, so you know, I, I, hats off to them. All right, um, around 1908, or uh, once again, depending on um, whatever source that you're looking on uh, 1910, Ida met Adler Cox, who was a trumpet player for the um, Florida Orange Blossom Minstrels. While she was a part of this show, um, they started to court and short, I mean, she had to be like early in her early teens um, when she met her husband, um, Adler Cotts. So they became married. They worked in the same circuit, minstrel circuit. So they got married. Um, but unfortunately, um their marriage was short-lived because um, Adler was killed during um, World War One. He served in World War One and, and, and was killed during um, the war. So um, Ida still kept the name Cox. He, she kept you know her husband's name, even though she was married two more times after that. Um, anybody who is online, um, please uh, send a uh, comment or in anybody who you know wants to add on to uh, whatever you know the conversation, I, I welcome whatever you know I like the, the interaction. All right, um, By the early 20s, um, like I said, her first husband was killed in um, World War I, but she married again to a man named Eugene Wilson I'm sorry Eugene Williams I know it was Eugene Wilson and it it wasn't him so sorry about that Eugene I know it wasn't you it was Eugene Williams um and from this marriage um she had her daughter her daughter was named Helen but uh Little was known about this marriage. Um, it wasn't. There's not much, um, you know, information about her and and um, Eugene Williams. Um, but that they eventually divorced. So again, the marriage didn't last. Must not last long. It lost last long enough to for them to have a child. But other than that, you know, that's pretty much it um by the 20s um she, Ida was able to shed that pickaninny um role that she was playing in in the minstrel shows so she was starting to um transform herself she was you know starting to grow out of that uh, stereotypical um role of playing the you know jolly eating watermelon eating fried chicken happy, sassy mouth, black, young, black girl. Um, So she was able to transform from that. And um, she started to hone in her craft and actually started singing the blues. Um, She began to travel with the theater's owner's booking association and she performed in Memphis on the infamous, famous Beale Street. And if anybody who's, you know, been in Tennessee or go to Tennessee, you know, I've been to Bill Street a few times, several times. Um, and, I mean, it, it's one of those, it's a historical landmark. I mean, you just, that's where a lot of the early blues singers and blues performers performed when they came into Memphis was Beale Street. Um, so she um, performed. You know, on Bill Street, and then in, in 1920, shoot, uh, 1922, the um, the show that she performed in Memphis it it was aired on the radio, and that's basically how she became famous because of her um, being aired on the radio when she was performing, and that's how she kind of gained um, more audience from uh, from that performance. And in um, 1927, um, she met and married her third husband, which was Jesse, quote unquote, Tiny Crump, um, who was a blues plan- uh, pianist um, who played the piano for the um, theater's owners booking association. So he was a pianist for that company and that's how they met. Ida's career really began to soar during the twenties, and their performing, are performing caught you know the attention of of many, um, uh, not only the audience but many um, record producers, particularly the Paramount Recording Company, which is the infamous um, recording company who had recorded um, Ma Rainey, among others. So Ida Cox um, signed on with um, Paramount Recording Company. And between 1923 to 1929, she recorded approximately 73 records with Paramount. And she felt proud to be able to um, record for the same company that uh, Ida Cox, um, I'm sorry, that Ma Rainey had um, performed her idol. I want to give a good shout out to my sister and bestie, Sarita. Thank you so much for for tuning in. Appreciate you. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Love you. All right. Um, so she and her husband, um, Jesse Tiny Crump. They began to um, tour after you know they became more um, popular and gained uh, attention with their music. They kind of created a um, a show and took it on uh, took it on the road. One of the things that they created was um, a, a tent show called the Raising Cane. And that show became very popular and it became as popular because um, they started getting bookings at the infamous Apollo Theater in New York. So um, during the tour, um, they would take that show Raising Kane. And traveled throughout the South. And like I said, they were invited to perform at the Apollo. And then um, they toured that with that uh, show in the 30s. And then by um, uh, during the 30s, they decided to kind of tweak it and revamp it. And they renamed the Raisin Cane to Dark Town Scandals. And they tur- and they continued to tour with that name Dark Darkton Scan- scandals until up until 1939. In 1939, Ida Cox um, was invited to perform at the Carnegie Hall. And she was um, one of the few blues artists that was fortunate to still able to perform because, in the thirties, from the late twenties up until you know thirties and into the forties, um, mid forties was the depression, and she was, but she was still able to work, so she wasn't, um she wasn't uh, lacking, you know, as far as um, not being able to work. So she was working, so she was one of the few. In nineteen forty-five, however. Ida suffered a stroke and this happened while she was performing on stage. So um, after her stroke, um, she had to, you know, step out of the limelight. She had to retire singing for a while. And after, you know, trying to recuperate, she went to Knoxville, Tennessee. That's where her daughter Helen was. So she decided to stay with her. Again, it doesn't say anything about her husband, what happened with were they together at that time? I don't know. It's it there's no information to say, you know, if they were or weren't wasn't, but Ida went to um Knoxville and to and decided to, you know, stay with her daughter and recuperate um at that time. And while she um was recuperating she just you know left the limelight of singing but she started to perform she went back to her roots as a lot of a lot of um performers do black performers particularly they go back to their roots so they started going back to singing in church so she became more active in um in church and started singing um in in the church um realm um so i mean during that time she kind of remained out of the limelight and it was like, like 14 years from the time she had her stroke in 45 and up until 1959, she was out of the, the, she was out of the limelight. She was became content in just performing in church and, and, you know, becoming active in the church in Knoxville. So, you know, she was satisfied with that. It wasn't until late in 59, 1959, that John Hammond, who was an American record producer at the time, um, went out to search for her because he wanted to record, um, some more music with her. So he, um, put an ad in this, um, newspaper called the Variety Magazine to try to locate her and put an ad out to see if anybody who know anything about Ida Cox and if so where is she and how can we um, contact her so eventually they did find her they found her um, John Hammond found her in 1961 so um, when he found her um, he Asked and convinced her to record um, what would be her last um, album, so um, she did. She, you know, came out of the uh, kind of came out of retirement, so to speak, and recorded her last album, which was called "Blues for Rampart Street." Um, her famous song, um, quote: "While women, wild women, don't have the blues." Um, was included on that particular album. So um, that um, was considered her last um, recording for the blues. Um, after that, after she did her recording, she went back home to, um, to Knoxville where her daughter um, resides. And in 1965, she suffered another stroke. She had another stroke. So, um, but this time, um, you know, she didn't really fully recover from this stroke, this last stroke. Um, And on November tenth, in nineteen sixty-seven, Ida Cox unfortunately died. Uh, She had cancer. And she died at the uh, East Tennessee Baptist Hospital, and she was seventy-one years old in sixty-seven. Um, so, Ida Prather, later known as famously known as Ida Cox, to me, she's considered unsung, though she wasn't as popular as you know singers like Ma Rainey and um, Bessie Smith and Mamie Smith. She, by all accounts, um, bought a classier style to the blues genre, um, obviously because she was able to perform at Carnegie Hall, which a lot of the other blues artists, you know, they didn't have that opportunity. But um, Ida Cox did. And it was because of her style of music and her style of um, how she presented herself, even though she was singing the blues, and the blues was basically back then was that down-home, rough voice tone and rugged. Ida brought more of a class to the to the genre, so she was more classier, and her tone of voice was more of a classier style. So she was particularly able to cross over. Different. Um, she was. Crossover as far as um, the um, audience, not only for um, black audience, she was able to cross over into the white audience as well. So, Ida Cox was another um, part of the blues history, and uh, thus, you know, making um, another history of American um, hit, um, music. So, that is the story. In the biography of um ida cox um most of my sources um that i received um as far as her um her life was by the wikipedia and also by blues.org and the ida cox foundation all right so that is the story of ida cox all right i'd like to thank those who um Watch me live today. I really appreciate you. And um, once again, um, check out www.morewineandmusic.com. Um, like I said, I'm going to be um, creating a t-shirt with the More Wine and Music podcast logo on there. So if anyone's interested, it would be on the uh, More shopping. um. Co website, which is also which is really called more online mall. So I want you to check it out of um, uh, post when it's uh, available for for purchase. All right, so that is it for the episode of this week. Now next week I'm going to be talking about Sunny Boy Williamson number one and Sunny Boy Williamson number two. Now this is interesting. That would be interesting because I'm going to combine the two. Um, there's not a lot of people didn't know that there was two um, names of two people named Sonny Boy Williamson. So I'm going to um, talk about them, you know, put it all in one story. And uh, so that, that'll that be interesting. And I, and I want to tell you that there, there's a personal um, connection to one of them. I'm not going to tell you who right now, but there is a personal connection, according to my dad. All right. So thanks again for joining me. And um, I want to say cheers and talk to you next week. Bye. Sound Stripe. Thank you.